Hi, it's Amy Siskin of The Weekly List and author of the book, The List, and welcome to episode 102 of The Weekly List podcast, which accompanies week 185 on The Weekly List website, theweeklylist.org. It corresponds to the week ended May 30th, 2020. Welcome. So this was one of the darkest weeks since I started keeping the list. The week begins this week with Trump spinning conspiracy theories to distract as the country reaches the grim milestone of losing 100,000 Americans to the coronavirus in just three months' time and ended with our country literally burning in flames of our racial divide with Trump throwing kerosene on the flames. Susan Glazer, who's a writer for the New York Times, noticed that the year 2020 has been some horrible combination of 1918 with the deadly Spanish flu pandemic, 1929 with the Great Depression, and now 1968 with the fights for civil rights. The heaviness, sorrow, and sheer exhaustion our country felt this week was a summation of Americans suffering, dying, and starving from the pandemic and yet another death of a black American at the hands of police. Trump was ill-equipped to handle any of it, let alone all at once. This week he golfed, tweeted, threatened Twitter for fact-checking his tweets, and played upon every worse impulse in hopes of salvaging his approval and re-election prospects. So we're going to get into it. Uh, And the photo that accompanies this week is... uh, kind of reminds me of a sense of where we were at Charlottesville with the good people on both sides. Uh, Kind of gets back to what's been brewing in our country since Trump started and ran his campaign on birtherism and the Mexican rapists and basically has been race baiting his entire time in office as we've been covering. Everything kind of coming to a head this week as our country, as we left off the week, rallies all over the all over the country in major cities um, that we haven't seen before in again 50 years so we're going to get into it uh, and this was one of those weeks and I say this a lot of times but this week in particular where when I got to Saturday and I was closing out the week and reviewing the entire week I couldn't believe that all this stuff happened in one week uh, <laughs> This was a week of so many bad things that many of us weren't sleeping well. Many of us were concerned for our country. Again, the culmination of 1918, 1929, and 1968 all in one. Um, So I'm going to take you through it, and um, we're going to cover all that happened on Saturday and Sunday. We start off the first weekend of the list, of this week's list. Um, In addition to golfing, Trump golfed. Uh, Saturday and Sunday of the beginning of this week, each day at his club in Sterling, Virginia. He also sent nearly 100 tweets and retweets as as many as 97,000 Americans had died as we started out this week. It was a somber Memorial Day weekend. That's Again, as we start off the week, it was Memorial Day weekend here. As most Americans were stuck at home, anxious about the status things, Trump's tweets made no mention of lives lost or suffering or the grim milestone of 100,000 deaths. On Saturday, Trump continued his false claim about MSNBC host Joe Scarborough, tweeting, quote, a blow to her head, body found under his desk, left Congress suddenly, big topic of discussion in Florida. Of course, this is a conspiracy theory and a lie. 
The repeated reference was about the death of Laurie Clostistis, who's 28, and she died in 2001 after losing consciousness from an abnormal heart rhythm and collapse striking her head. She was discovered in Scarborough's office. Trump has been tweeting about this as we've been covering for several weeks now. Scarborough, who was 900 miles away at the time of the death, and his wife and co-host Mika Brzezinski expressed outrage. Brzezinski called Trump a cruel, sick, disgusting person and said he was using it to distract from the pandemic. On Saturday, Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson said in his state said his state was experiencing a second surge of COVID-19 cases, originating from a high school pool party. North Carolina also saw its largest single-day surge. So again, we talked. Two to, in the last two to three weeks about every state reopening. Many, almost all with the exception of New York, did not have two consecutive weeks of, uh, of lower deaths and lower cases, which was the guidelines from the White House, but they did it nonetheless. Uh, many of them are Republican governors and did so at Trump's behest. On Saturday, Santa Cruz County officials said Four distinct COVID-19 clusters originated from Mother Day's get-togethers two weeks ago. There's been a 20% increase in positive cases. So again, folks, this is not magic. This is science. You know, there's basically when people get together, clusters develop. Two weeks later, we see cases. And then thereafter, we start to see deaths as a percentage of those cases, roughly 6%. On Saturday, the Justice Department joined a lawsuit about Illinois' stay-at-home restrictions. An appeals court upheld California's ban on gatherings at houses of worship despite Trump's proclamation last week. On Sunday, the New York Times dedicated its entire Sunday front page to listing names and information on some of the Americans who had died. The front page of the Sunday Times in bold letters read, U.S. deaths near 100,000, an incalculable loss. And again, uh, this is in a period of three months, and this is as Trump is basically operating as if nothing has happened. He's golfing, he's pretending this hasn't happened. No ceremony, no admission, or we're going to do better. Just liberate, get people back out, start the economy, help my political career. On Sunday, Fox News host Chris Wallace asked Dr. Deborah Burks about an April 10th clip of her saying, quote, look how much the model has changed in the last week. Remember, just a week ago, it was 80,000. Now it's 60,000. That's on April 10th. When Wallace pressed Burks about her previous estimate and the change and how, why, whether the White House and why had underestimated the virus, she deflected using a Trump talking point showing other models showed that up to 2.4 million could have died. When asked if she wished Trump would wear a mask, Burke said she assumed Trump is, quote, able to maintain that six feet distance and Americans should wear masks in public less than six feet away out of respect for each other. On Sunday, Kevin Hassett, top economic advisor to Trump, told CNN, quote, our human capital stock is ready to go back to work, sparking anger over use of the dehumanizing term. On Sunday, Trump tweeted, quote, cases, numbers, and deaths are going down all over the country. While the number of cases in early hotspots in New York were down, as we've been talking about cases were going up elsewhere, the statement was false. On Sunday, the Washington Post reported rural counties now have some of the highest rates of COVID-19 in the country. 
for both cases and deaths, topping the hardest hit New York City boroughs on a per capita basis. More than 60 million Americans live in rural areas and have populations that are poorer, older, and more prone to health problems such as diabetes and obesity than Americans living in urban areas. Of the 25 rural counties with the largest per capita outbreaks, 20 have a meatpacking plant or a prison. Infections have also raced through immigration worker populations, many of whom live in poverty. On Sunday, Trump also retweeted eight posts by John Stahl, a Republican who ran for Congress and lost in 2012, and who has a long history of sexist and racist posts, especially against black women. Trump retweeted Stahl about former Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abramson's appearance, saying she, quote, visited every buffet restaurant in the state. And Biden would be a, quote, racist if he did not pick her for VP. Trump also retweeted about House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, saying, quote, anyone knows what's going on with polygrip and calling Hillary Clinton, quote, HRC the skank. Trump also retweeted a post about Pelosi's face, one with a Trump 20 mask over her mouth and the other with a silver duct tape and a caption, quote, with duct tape, she won't be able to drink booze on the job. Not, not that that even needs a response, but Pelosi does not drink. So this is the leader of our country as we are over Memorial Day and he's golfing and ignoring 100,000 dead, retweeting this crap. Trump also continued his false claim about Scarborough, tweeting, quote, a lot of interest in this story about psycho Joe Scarborough. So a young marathon runner just happened to faint in his office, hit her head and die. Trump also retweeted the U.S., quote, cannot have mail-in ballots. It will be the greatest rig election in history, claiming without evidence there will be forgeries and more, adding, quote, trying to use COVID for this scam. Trump also quoted his tweet about mail-in ballots, adding, quote, the Democrats are trying to rig the 2020 election, plain and simple. Democrats were concerned he would try to undermine the election as Biden's lead grew. On Sunday, in an interview with Sinclair Broadcasting that was recorded Friday and aired on Sunday, Trump blasted Jeff Sessions, saying he was a, quote, disaster as attorney general, quote, was not qualified, and, quote, not mentally qualified. Trump also slammed a Columbia University study that we talked about last week that found 36,000 lives could have been saved, shutting down one week earlier, and 54,000 two weeks earlier, saying, quote, Columbia is a liberal, disgraceful institution. Trump falsely claimed when he stopped some flights in China, quote, they were criticizing me, sleepy Joe Biden, and I'm xenophobic, and it's a disgrace. Columbia has their, quote, little group of people that tell them what to do. Trump added, quote, I'm fighting the deep state. I'm fighting the swamp. Adding, quote, I said I was doing it and I'm exposing the swamp. I have a chance to break the deep state. It's a vicious group of people. Trump described his incoming director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, as, quote, fantastic. Adding, quote, now they're being exposed. Comey is a dirty cop. McCabe, bad guy, Lisa Page, and Strzok. These are the two lovers, right? Later Sunday, after Biden's campaign put out an ad of Trump's tweeting as a death toll rose, Trump tweeted, quote, Sleepy Joe's representatives have just put out an ad saying that I went to play golf, yes, today. 
Trump added, quote, what they didn't say is it isn't the first time I've played golf in almost three months that Biden was constantly vacationing, relaxing, and making shady deals, and that Barack was always playing golf. Later Sunday, Trump tweeted, quote, schools in our country should be reopened ASAP, referencing a segment on Fox News. Recent polls show 85% of Americans say schools should not reopen without more testing. Trump also tweeted in the late evening, just before midnight, Obamagate, in capital letters, exclamation point, and in capital letters, make America great again. On Sunday, the Washington Post reported the Trump regime released its coronavirus testing strategy, which held states responsible for planning and carrying out testing, with the federal government basically doing nothing but providing some supplies. The 81-page plan was not publicly released, but it was submitted to four con- congressional committees as required under the PPP and Healthcare Enhancement Act. Despite epidemiologists saying testing is vastly inadequate, the proposal claims existing testing is sufficient. The federal government would have no role in planning and would be considered, quote, the supplier of last resort. Democrats had pushed for the regime to submit a national testing plan to Congress, saying it should take the lead in ramping up national testing. One expert compared living living it to the states to the Hunger Games. Public health experts disagreed with the assertion that 300 tests per day and only testing those with symptoms would work, saying millions of tests are needed. On Sunday, the White House banned entry of any non-U.S. citizens traveling from Brazil, a coronavirus hotspot, which had the second most cases at 347,000. Just to put that into some perspective, as we started out the week, the U.S. had 1.7 million cases. On Monday, which was Memorial Day, Trump treated he, quote, will be reluctantly forced to move the Republican National Convention if North Carolina does not ease up on social distancing restrictions to allow the site to be filled. The convention is August 24th. Trump added, quote, plans are being made by thousands and thousands of enthusiastic Republicans and others to head to the beautiful North Carolina in August, demanding a response by the governor. The Times reported while Republicans are discussing a pared-down convention, Trump had suggested holding it at a ballroom in Florida. Some suggested it was a ploy to host it at his Doral Club in Miami. Trump tweeted in response to that reporting, saying, quote, I have zero interest in moving the RNC to his Doral in Miami, as falsely reported by the fake news New York Times, in order to stir up trouble, saying the ballroom is not big enough. On Monday, Trump visited Fort Henry in Baltimore to mark Memorial Day. He did not wear a mask. He paid homage to service members responding to the coronavirus, but made no mention of nearly 100,000 dead. Baltimore Mayor Bernard Young, a Democrat, criticized Trump's visit during the pandemic, saying Trump, quote, deciding to pursue non-essential travel sends the wrong message to our residents. Joe Biden marked Memorial Day by making his first public appearance in more than two months, placing a wreath at the Veterans Park near his Delaware home. Biden, his wife, and his entourage all wore masks. On Monday, the World Health Organization halted all clinical trials of hydrocloxiquin to treat COVID-19 patients. After the study published in The Lancet in week 184 showed the drug does more harm than good. 
The WHO stopped 3,500 patients from 17 countries in trials that were testing the efficacy of the treatment for patients who are hospitalized with COVID-19. Trump claimed he was taking the drug, as you'll recall, to prevent the disease. On Tuesday, France's public health agency also suspended its clinical trials of hydrochloroquine following the study in The Lancet. On Monday, a video of a packed Sunday pool party with no masks or social distancing at Backwater Jack's Bar and Grill in Lake of the Ozarks went viral in defiance of Missouri's social distancing guidelines. On Tuesday, public health officials from Missouri and Kansas urged the partygoers to self-quarantine for two weeks. Concern grew that visitors would travel back to Missouri and the Midwest and spread the disease. There were also other pictures, but that was the most noteworthy of people getting together over Memorial Day weekend and breaking guidance from social distancing to uh, wearing masks. On Monday, AP reported a woman in San Francisco was arrested on suspicion of leaving notes taped to homes of Asian Americans saying, quote, if you were born in another country, return, go back to your land immediately. On Monday, Amy Cooper, a white woman, called the police on a black man in Central Park after he asked her to put her dog on a leash, saying, quote, I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. A video showed the call to the police and showed Cooper pulling her dog sharply. Franklin Templeton suspended Cooper, then at, later after reviewing, fired her. The dog was taken back by the animal shelter. This raised a lot of commotion Monday. And then Tuesday, as we woke up and we're still digesting that story, Huffington Post reported the FBI is investigating a nine-minute video of a Minneapolis police officer pressing his knee into the neck of George Floyd, a black man who was handcuffed as Floyd said, quote, I cannot breathe. Floyd also pleaded, my stomach hurts, my neck hurts, everything hurts. I need water or something, and is heartbreakingly heard calling out for his mother, saying, Mama, Mama, before his voice becomes a moan. Onlookers are heard saying, quote, How long are you going to keep your knee on his neck? And asking to check his pulse. Five minutes into the video, Floyd goes unconscious. Three other officers stood by and did not intervene. Later Tuesday, police chief in Minneapolis announced that a news conference at a news conference that the four Minneapolis police officers involved were fired. The chief did not give the officers names. On Tuesday, a May 21 letter to Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey from Timothy Klostitis, who was the husband of Lori, uh, again, that's the woman who died in 2001 that Trump has been tweeting about, was made public. He pleaded with Dorsey to delete Trump's tweets about his wife, saying, quote, my wife deserves better. He wrote, quote, I'm asking you to intervene in this instance because the president of the United States has taken something that does not belong to him, the memory of my dead wife, and perverted it for perceived political gain. Shortly after, Trump continued his tweets, saying, quote, the opening of a, stole of a cold case against Psycho Joe Scarborough was not a Donald Trump original thought. This has been going on for years, long before I joined the chorus. Trump also tweeted, quote, I find Joe to be a total nut job, and I knew him well, far better than most. So many unanswered and obvious questions, but I won't bring them up now. Law enforcement eventually will. So can I have to just stop and say, 
Trump is tweeting this conspiracy theory now for three weeks. The widower of this woman, of this murder that happened in 2001, begs him to stop uh, in a letter to Twitter, asks Twitter to take it down. And what does Trump do? He keeps going. He keeps tweeting. On Tuesday, Twitter refused to delete the tweets, citing the policy for world leaders, saying, quote, we've been working to expand existing product features and policies so we can be more effective at addressing this. On Tuesday, the Wall Street Journal editorial board, a conservative editorial board, in an op-ed titled A Presidential Smear, noted, quote, Trump sometimes traffics in conspiracy theories and adding there's no evidence of foul play in this woman's death. The board added, quote, we don't write this with any expectation that Mr. Trump will stop. Perhaps he even thinks this helps him politically. But, quote, Trump is debasing his office and he's hurting the country in doing so. On Tuesday, ahead of the country crossing 100,000 deaths from COVID-19, Trump tweeted, quote, for all of the political hacks out there, if I hadn't done my job well and early, we would have lost one and a half to two million people. Trump added, quote, one person lost to this invisible virus is too much. It should have been stopped at its source, China. But I acted very quickly, claiming many thought, quote, I was moving far too fast like crazy Nancy. On Tuesday at an event for senior citizens, Trump used about taking insulin, saying, quote, I don't use insulin. Should I be? Adding, quote, I know a lot of people are very badly affected, right? Unbelievable. Asked by a reporter if he would now take insulin, Trump asked Surgeon General Jerome Adams to answer. Adams said, your body, Mr. President, actually makes insulin. On Tuesday, the New York Stock Exchange reopened after a two-month shutdown for the coronavirus. Only 80 brokers, or 25% of the pre-pandemic level, were on the floor. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo rung the opening bell. On Tuesday, Trump again sniped at Biden for wearing a mask on Memorial Day, telling reporters, quote, he was standing outside with his wife, perfect conditions, perfect weather. So I thought it was very unusual that he had one on. Again, demonstrating Trump doesn't understand why we wear masks or <laughs> or what they're supposed to do. I mean, this is something that the White House has put out as a guidance for the country. And a lot of states have made a requirement that people must wear a mask. Trump refuses. The CDC has put that out. And he's now belittling Biden for wearing a mask in public. Again, saying because he was standing outside with his wife in perfect conditions. Like, what don't you understand? Trump added, quote, but I thought that was fine. I wasn't criticizing at all. Why would I ever do that? Making a joke. Trump then told a reporter to take off his mask to ask a question. And then the reporter said, no, I'll speak more loudly. He said, oh, you're being politically correct. Trump also falsely claimed he could, quote, override governors on reopening places of worship, saying, quote, I can absolutely do it if I want to. And I don't think I'm going to have to because it's starting to open up. White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany told reporters, quote, it is a bit peculiar that, that in his basement, right next to his wife, he's not wearing a mask, but he's wearing one outdoors. I mean, again, like, what don't these people understand? Why would Joe Biden need a mask in his basement when he's in the house? <sighs> okay, sorry, that's my vent for so far in this podcast. 
Biden told CNN of Trump, quote, he's a fool, adding, quote, presidents are supposed to lead, not engage in folly and be falsely masculine, accusing Trump of stoking deaths. Biden put up a new profile photo wearing a mask. On Tuesday, Katie Miller, Vice President Mike Pence press secretary, returned to work after contracting the coronavirus in week 184, excuse me, week 183. She thanked her doctors and other supporters and added she is pregnant. On Tuesday, AP reported the DOJ defended Alabama's absentee ballot requirement to have witnesses sign the ballot, arguing in a brief that it is not a violation of the Voting Rights Act. On Tuesday, Wall Street Journal reported the DOJ closed its investigation into Senators Kelly Loeffler, Dianne Feinstein, and Jim Inhofe, as you remember last week. We covered in the podcast that Loeffler's husband made his largest donation ever of $1 million to Trump's super PAC. On Tuesday, Christy Grimm, the former Department of Health and Human Services Principal Deputy Inspector General, testified before the House Oversight Committee after recently being fired by Trump. She is the one, just for if memory, bringing back memory for you all, uh, that wrote the report about hospital workers, especially nurses, not having enough PP&E and other shortages that was affecting their ability to stay safe and to help uh, deal with, at that point, the surge in cases. Grimm told lawmakers, freedom from political intrusion is, quote, a key safeguard for the programs we oversee, saying inspector generals must, quote, go right down the middle in providing facts and letting facts take us where they may. On Tuesday, Wired reported John Radcliffe will be the least qualified director of national intelligence to serve, having no intelligence experience, and he's deeply partisan and a loyalist to Trump. Radcliffe was rejected as a nominee when his name was floated last summer when he embellished his resume. He got just 49 votes of all Republican senators last week to confirm him. A career employee for more than two decades. Oh, excuse me. That story goes back with Grimm. Excuse me. On Tuesday, for the first time, Twitter put up a fact check label. Remember, in the, earlier in the day, we had talked about uh, the the widower of the the woman who had died in two thousand one, complaining to Twitter um, and asking them to take down the tweets. So this whole day goes by, and all these things happen. I just spoke about. We get to the end of the day, and Twitter, for the first time, put a fact check label on two of Trump's tweets response to criticism that the platform has been too hands-off on disinformation spread by Trump. Twitter changed its policy on fact-checking due to the pandemic, saying it would remove tweets, even those by world leaders, that went against guidance from authoritative sources of global and public health information. Since March, Trump, Twitter has also removed tweets by Brazil's President Jair Bolsonaro and Venezuela's President Maduro. In March, Twitter also labeled a doctored video of Biden that was retweeted by Trump. The two tweets that they labeled by Trump gave disinformation, however, about mail-in voting, falsely claiming mail-in ballots are fraudulent. The label said, quote, get the facts about mail-in ballots and redirects users to news articles about the claim. The label directed users to articles by CNN, The Washington Post, and The Hill, and a page summarizing the findings of fact-checkers. Trump reacted immediately to this label, tweeting Twitter, quote, is now interfering in the 2020 presidential election. Trump also tweeted that Twitter is saying, quote, my statement on mail-in ballots 
which will lead to massive corruption and fraud, is incorrect, based on fact-checking by Fake News, CNN, and the Amazon Washington Post. Trump also tweeted, quote, Twitter is completely stifling free speech, in capital letters, and I, as president, will not allow it to happen. The tweets were labeled, but not deleted. The Washington Post found of Trump's 18,000 lies so far, 3,300 of those lies were on Twitter. On Tuesday, Vanity Fair reported heading to Memorial Day weekend, Trump complained that he was the biggest victim of COVID-19, reportedly saying, quote, this is so unfair to me. Everything was going great. Sources say that even with 100,000 dead and 38 million unemployed, Trump still cannot see the pandemic as anything other than something that happened to him. One advisor said the problem is Trump has no empathy. Trump knows his poll numbers are bad. Internal polls show in states, in the swing states, that uh, he is down with women over 50 in all six of the battleground states. Those closest to Trump are concerned the election is slipping away. Trump has also quietly promoted Bill Steffian as campaign, deputy campaign manager and named Stephanie Alexander the Midwest political director, demoting Brad Pascal over spending and deteriorating poll numbers. On Tuesday, a Politico morning consult poll found 23% of registered voters support the use of hydrocloxiquin touted by Trump for COVID-19, and just 11% would take it themselves. So again, thankfully, not that many people listened to Trump's advice, just 11% said they would take it. The poll also found Trump's approval slid to 40%, down one point from last week and four points in the last four weeks. 57% say they disapprove of the job he is doing. On Tuesday, the Washington Post reported the Census Bureau found 34% of all Americans are now showing signs of clinical anxiety, depression, or both, up nearly double from pre-pandemic levels, with levels surging, varying, with levels varying by state. The study also found 50% experienced a depressed mood during the pandemic, up from 25% prior. The groups that were most impacted were the youngest Americans and those with the lowest income. On Tuesday, AP reported an increasing number of coronavirus patients are developing dangerous blood clots that can cause strokes and other life-threatening problems. On Tuesday, the Arkansas Times reported two Catholic churches that held services last weekend have both suspended services after alerting members that each was attended by a person who was positive for COVID-19. On Tuesday, the CDC and new guidelines cautioned about the accuracy of COVID-19 antibody tests, saying they could be wrong about half the time and should not be used in determining going back to work or school. On Tuesday, CNN host Anderson Cooper attacked Trump for promoting the Scarborough conspiracy theories, and mocking Biden for wearing a mask while the death toll hit 100,000, saying he is, quote, just a little man. Cooper said, quote, he's just a little man despite his girth and size, and he is, quote, doing something that is endangering other people, other people's lives, by modeling not wearing a mask. While Trump has medical attention, they do not. On Tuesday, however, Fox News host Laura Ingram attacked Biden for wearing a mask while Trump did not, falsely claiming, quote, 
Now we're ready. Now we're reading stuff about how you can damage yourself by wearing a mask. Again, there's no evidence of this. Ingram claimed, quote, because then you're breathing back potentially microbes, adding, quote, not everyone changes their mask every day or cleans it. They're too busy. It's unhygienic. Masks are now super spreaders. Again, that's false information being spread on Fox News to someone who has a huge audience. Later Tuesday, at a protest over the killing of George Floyd, Minneapolis police officers dressed in riot gear fired rubber bullets, tear gas, and stun grenades at thousands of protesters marching in the streets. So all this happened by Tuesday. I mean, I'm exhausted already reading this. All of this stuff happened over Memorial Day weekend, from golfing, ignoring the 100,000 dead, the stuff with Joe Scarborough, the stuff with Twitter. That's in the first four days of this week. And on Tuesday, we're just starting the riots for George Floyd. Uh, again, on Monday, we were very preoccupied with this Amy Cooper woman and her threatening to call the police on a, a black man who did nothing wrong but was sitting there bird watching and saying she was, and actually did call and complain because he was African American and threatening him. That was bad enough. Now we have, you know, in addition to another death we spoke about. Last week, where a police went to the wrong house and shot a young black woman in her bed, uh, and two weeks before, the jogger in Atlanta, we have an, an, another death. So all of this is going on, and I'm, I'm just pausing to put it all in context of how Trump is behaving. We're approaching 100,000 Americans dead. People are losing their jobs. People are suffering. This is what is happening in America this week. It's It's... It's hard to take in all of this stuff in one week. It's okay. Now we're going to get to Wednesday. On Wednesday, Trump's approval hit a two-year low in the Rasmussen daily tracking poll. 42% approved, 57% disapproved, his lowest level since January 2018. On Wednesday, Trump threatened to shut down Twitter, tweeting Republicans believe social media platform, quote, totally silenced conservative voices, we will strongly regulate or close them down. Trump repeated his false claim, tweeting, quote, we can't let large-scale mail-in ballots take root in our country. It would be a free-for-all cheating, forgery, and thefts of ballots. Adding, quote, social media, clean up your act now. Hours later, Trump threatened, tweeting, quote, Twitter has now shown that everything we have been saying about them and there are other compatriots is correct. Big action to follow. Trump also sent a barrage of tweets on Obama, falsely claiming, quote, new papers make clear that Obama administration spied, in capital letters, in an unprecedented manner on the Trump campaign and beyond. This is the so-called Obamagate that we still don't know what it is. Trump also tweeted, quote, nobody would ever have believed that this level of illeg illegality and corruption could be taking place in the USA. And then in capital letters tweeted, Obamagate makes Watergate look like small potatoes. Again, we do not know what Obamagate is. Trump also tweeted shortly after, shortly before Scarborough's show ended, quote, Psycho Joe Scarborough is rattled, not only by his bad ratings, but by all the other things and facts that are coming out in the internet about opening a cold case. So he's still going on about this conspiracy theory. This is Wednesday. 
Trump also tweeted, quote, the radical left lamestream media together with their partner, the do-nothing Democrats, are trying to spread a new narrative. Trump was slow in reacting to COVID-19. Wrong. I was very fast. Shortly after, Mitt Romney tweeted, quote, I know Joe Scarborough. Joe is a friend of mine. I don't know TJ Klostis. Joe Joe can wear weather vile, baseless attacks, but TJ, his heart is breaking. Enough already. On Wednesday, White House Counselor Kellyanne Conway claimed on Fox and Friends that the people at Twitter doing fact checks on Trump are, quote, the people attack him all day long. She also named Yoel Roth, Twitter's head of integrity, asserting he is, quote, constantly attacking Trump voters, Trump, Mitch McConnell, you name it. Twitter responded saying one person does not make the decisions. Again, she's giving out his name so people on social media and other ways will threaten him. Shortly after, Conway spoke to reporters defending Trump's attacks on mail-in voting, saying if people, quote, can wait in line at Georgetown Cupcake for an hour to get a cupcake, they can wait in line to vote. On Wednesday, the Tampa Bay Times reported Press Secretary Kaylee McEnany has voted by mail. In every Florida election she has participated in since 2010, a total of 11 times. McKennedy also voted in the March Florida primary by mail. Guess who else did? Trump, who recently changed his primary residence to Florida, also voted in March by mail, even though he drove by an early polling place days prior. McKennedy responded saying, quote, absentee voting has the word absent in it for a reason. It means you're absent from the jurisdiction or unable to vote in person. In fact, Florida does not have absentee voting. Anyone can vote by mail. Later on Thursday, Huffington Post reported Kellyanne Conway voted by mail in the midterm 2018 election from her home in New Jersey. Like McEnany, Conway responded with a redirect saying, quote, that's called an absentee ballot. On Wednesday, the Supreme Court overruled a lower court in Texas, saying a lack of immunity to the coronavirus does not qualify a voter to apply for a mail-in ballot. The justices ironically issued their ruling while working from home. On Wednesday, the U.S. death toll from the coronavirus passed 100,000. The death toll was was far higher than any other nation in the world and is the deadliest pandemic for the U.S., since the 1918 flu, where 675,000 died. That's such an unspeakable number. But here we are, over 100,000 have died in the U.S. in three months. On Wednesday, Dr. Anthony Fauci told CNN he wears a mask to protect himself and others, and also, quote, because I want to make it a symbol for people to see that that's the kind of thing you should be doing. Fauci added in a second wave is not inevitable and can be prevented if states reopen correctly, saying, quote, don't start leapfrogging over the recommendations of some of the guidelines. It is asking for trouble. Of course, that's what most states, unfortunately, are doing. On Wednesday, a peer-reviewed study published in Thorax found 80% of the passengers and crew infected with the coronavirus aboard a cruise ship had no symptoms. On Wednesday, the World Health Organization said it is still unclear if having been infected by the coronavirus provides immunity from being infected again. On Wednesday, the Washington Post reported a new study found Washington State's outbreak 
began that we thought began in mid-February was actually started sometime in late January to early February. And the first case was a Chinese national who traveled from Wuhan to Seattle in mid-January. So again, these I'm reporting all these things to put in context how little we know about this virus. Each week we learn things and then learn new things, and we just don't know. And that's why I'm adding these stories. We don't know if you get immunity. We are finding out, again, a study here that says 80% of people are asymptomatic and we're positive. So we're learning as we go. On Wednesday, NBC News reported Wisconsin saw a record number, 559 cases and 22 known deaths, two weeks after the state Supreme Court struck down the statewide stay-at-home order. You'll remember we discussed that decision. One of the justices compared it to internment camps. On Wednesday, LA Times reported Harry Santoso, 63, took a job at Amazon's delivery center in Irvine, California in late March, weeks after he lost a temporary position there. Two weeks later, he was dead of COVID-19. Until now, no cases at the facility have been made public. However, Amazon workers have documented more than 1,000 cases among warehouse workers as of May 20th and eight deaths across the country. On Wednesday, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia rejected a lawsuit brought by a conservative organization, Freedom Watch, and far-right provocateur Laura Loomer over her being banned on social media. The judges unanimously ruled that Google, Facebook, Twitter, and Apple cannot violate the First Amendment because it regulates only governments, not the private sector. On Wednesday, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg told Fox News social media companies should not be the arbiter of truth. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey fired back saying Twitter would point out incorrect or disputed information. Later Wednesday, Trump tweeted, quote, Big tech is doing everything in their very considerable power to censor, in big letters, in advance of the 2020 election. If that happens, we can no longer have our freedom, adding, quote, stay tuned. On Wednesday, Trump allies Senator Josh Hawley and Representative Matt Goetz both announced that they were working on legislation to strip Twitter of federal protections from liability for what is posted on its platform. On Wednesday, riots continued in Minneapolis, where protesters gathered in the early afternoon near the city's third precinct station, where the four policemen involved in the killing of Floyd previously worked. AP reported helicopter footage showed protesters running in and out of Target, Cub Foods, and Dollar Tree, while all showed signs of damage and looting. Fire erupted at an auto parts store and elsewhere after dark. There was also one death as police were called about a man lying on the sidewalk with a bullet wound. It wasn't clear how he died. Protesters also gathered at the home of Mike Freeman, the Hennepin County prosecutor. So that's the second night of protests in Minneapolis, Wednesday night. On Thursday, we wake up. The Labor Department reports another 2.1 million Americans have filed for unemployment, slightly above expectations. At this point, nearly 41 million Americans have filed for unemployment since the pandemic hit. On Thursday, the Commerce Department reported first quarter GDP fell at an annual rate of 5%, a bigger decline than the 4.8% first reported. 
Economists expect the second quarter GDP to fall by 40%. On Thursday, Pennsylvania State Representative Andrew Lewis announced on Facebook that he had tested positive for the coronavirus on May 20th and immediately started to self-isolate. He sought a test on May 18th. Democratic lawmakers said none of their members were alerted, although several were in Lewis's proximity at committee meetings. Republicans and staffers were told, and some who had exposure went into self-quarantine. Democrats accused Lewis of keeping the test a secret, quote, to protect their public talking points about science and facts. Representative Brian Sims said in a Facebook video or Facebook Live, quote, how dare you put our lives at risk? How dare you put our families at risk? On Thursday, Trump tweeted, quote, this will be a big day for social media and fairness. So again, Trump is now obsessed with Twitter, you know, and so you, it's, I mean, it's as much as a non sequitur as it sounds like. I'm talking about coronavirus and reading all these stories about death, about 41 million Americans being unemployed. And then it goes back to Trump and his personal battles because he's upset about Twitter. So it's all about him. It's not about 100,000 people dying. Still, here we are Thursday. No comment about 100,000 people dying. Trump is about Twitter. Trump quoted, quote, this will be a big day for social media and fairness. In fairness, is all in capital letters. On Thursday, Washington Post reported Trump planned to sign an executive order rolling back the immunity that tech giants have for the content on their site, known as Section 230, which allows tech companies to police their own platforms. The order would prompt federal officials to open proceedings to reconsider the scope of the law and would have dramatic freedom of speech implications and wide-ranging consequences. The order would also channel complaints about political virus, political bias to the Federal Trade Commission and would require federal agencies to review their spending on social media advertising. On Thursday, Trump shared a tweet of news stories saying, quote, the head of Cowboys for Trump says a good Democrat is a dead one. Trump shared that tweet, and he added, Thank you, Cowboys. See you in New Mexico. Again, glorifying a good Democrat is a dead one. On Thursday, the Washington Post reported as America hit the bleak milestone of 100,000 deaths, Trump, who is obsessed with numbers, held no special commemoration or moment of silence or collective sharing of grief. Nothing. Trump last week ordered flags flown at half-staff, through Memorial Day weekend, but when asked by reporters, Press Secretary McEnany gave no specifics of how Trump would honor lost Americans. Trump stands out from other presidents who expressed sorrow, FDR on D-Day, Bill Clinton after the Oklahoma City bombing, Bush after 9-11, and Obama after the Sandy Hook school shooting. Finally, later Thursday, Trump tweeted, quote, a very sad milestone with a coronavirus pandemic reaching 100,000, to all of the families and friends of those who have passed, I want to extend my heartfelt sympathy and love. He clearly didn't write that one. In the next tweet, now Trump's back to himself. He sought to shift the blame for the deaths to China, tweeting, quote, all over the world, the coronavirus, a very bad, quote, gift from China, marches on, not good. You can tell if you read the list, that these are two different people wrote these tweets because coronavirus is spelled in all small letters in the first tweet that I talked about where it's 
clearly nice and he didn't write it. And the second one where he talks about all over the world, the coronavirus, C and V are both capitalized. So that's back to Trump. On Thursday, Politico reported federal and state officials have altered or hidden public health data, hindering the ability to pick up a potential surge as states start to reopen. Politico found in at least a dozen cases, health departments inflated testing numbers or deflated their death toll by changing criteria for who counts as a coronavirus victim and what counts as a coronavirus test. Half a dozen states, including Georgia, did not differentiate between the two kinds of tests, in other words, the antibody test or the test to find out whether you currently have the virus. Iowa will share data on meatpacking plant infections only by request. Florida has all had all sorts of allegations against it for data manipulation. On Thursday, the Boston Athletic Association announced that the 2020 Boston Marathon, which had been postponed until September, will be canceled for the first time in the race's 124-year history. On Thursday, in a radio interview, Senator Lindsey Graham urged federal judges in their mid to late 60s to step aside before the 2020 election, citing concern about holding the majority with Trump's sinking poll numbers. On Thursday, the Washington Post reported the White House will not release formal economic projections this summer over concerns the number would codify that the pandemic has led to a severe economic downturn. The move was unprecedented in modern history. Budget experts noticed past administrations have released a mid-session review since at least the 1970s. The document would be released months before the election. On Thursday, NPR reported Mark Short, Mike Pence's chief of staff, owns between half a million and 1.64 million worth of stocks and companies doing work related to the Trump regime's response to the pandemic. It is unclear if Short participated in the decision-making that awarded the companies the contracts or work. He has, however, publicly mentioned companies whose stock he owns, like 3M, in public statements. On Thursday, the CDC published new projections of deaths from the coronavirus, forecasting a range of 115,000 to 135,000 deaths by June 20th, with a mid-range estimate of 123,000. Here's me reminding you three months ago uh, from this list, Trump had said we had 15 cases going to zero. Uh, and he said, if we got less than 100,000 deaths, it would be great. We reached 100,000 deaths. Now the CDC is saying 123,000 by January, excuse me, by June 20th. On Thursday, a study published in JAMA found U.S. hydrochloroquine prescriptions surged 2,000% in March after Trump first touted it as a possible treatment for the coronavirus. Researchers found during the week of March 15th to 21st, there were 45,858 short-term prescriptions for hydrochloroquine and cloxiquin, up from 2,208 in 2019. So it went from 2,000 to 45,000. On Thursday, the Washington Post reported, without notice, the CDC removed warnings contained in guidance for reopening places of worship. That gathering to sing in choirs could spread the coronavirus. We talked earlier about how in Arkansas, two churches had said that at least one person was positive at their services last weekend. Now all of a sudden we're hiding information again. The updated CDC guidelines also removed reference to, quote, shared cups and items like hymnals, excuse me, hymnals and worship rugs. 
Language was also added that said the guidance, quote, is not intended to infringe on rights protected by the First Amendment. White House officials told the Post the first version was not approved by the White House. There was concern within the West Wing that too many restrictions were being placed on choirs. On Thursday, CNN reported the Bureau of Prisons ordered Roger Stone to report to prison by June 30th. Stone said in a court filing that he plans to challenge the reporting date as he appeals his conviction. On Thursday, Reuters reported the U.S. National Security Agency, NSA, warned government partners and private companies about a hacking operation by Russia's GRU, targeting operating systems often used by industrial firms. Later Thursday, Trump signed in an executive order targeting social media companies, calling it a, quote, big deal. Experts, however, said it will not have much impact without congressional approval and will be met with legal challenges. Trump told reporters, quote, they have had unchecked power to censor, restrict, edit, shape, hide, alter any form of communications between private citizens or large public audiences, adding, quote, we are fed up with it. Asked if he would delete his Twitter account, Trump said, quote, if we had a fair press, he would, quote, do that in a heartbeat, claiming, quote, there's nothing I'd rather do than get rid of this account, while bragging about the size of his following on Twitter. Attorney General William Barr, also known as Trump's lapdog, stood alongside him and said the order would not repeal Section 230, but would restore, quote, the right balance. Trump chimed in, we may, quote, remove or totally change Section 230. Speaker Pelosi called the order, quote, a desperate distraction from his failure to provide a national testing strategy to defeat COVID-19. Exactly. She also accused Facebook CEO Zuckerberg of, quote, pandering to Trump. On Thursday, Twitter called Trump's executive order, Statement, quote, a reactionary and politicized approach to a landmark law saying attempts to, quote, erode it, threaten the future of online speech. On Thursday, protesters in Minneapolis set the third precinct, third precinct police station on fire where the four officers had worked. Police had to be evacuated and the area was left to protesters as blazes blazed. Shortly before midnight, Governor Tim Walz called the National Guard, which tweeted it had, quote, activated more than 500 soldiers. Our mission is to protect life, preserve property, and peace, and the right to peacefully demonstrate. On Thursday, at least 70 were arrested in New York City at protests over the killing of Floyd as part of national protests. Protesters said Floyd's killing was reminiscent of Eric Gardner, whose last words were also, I can't breathe. On Thursday, the Courier-Journal reported seven people were shot in Louisville at protests over the killing of Breonna Taylor. We talked about her a couple of weeks ago. She was shot in her apartment by police who had the wrong address in week 183. So all this is going on. And then shortly after 1 a.m., Trump tweeted, quote, I can't stand back and watch this happen to a great American city, Minneapolis, adding there is, quote, a total lack of leadership by the very weak radical left mayor, Jacob Fry. Trump threatened either Fry must, quote, get his act together and bring the city under control, or I will send in the National Guard and get the job done right. So here's Trump after 1 a.m. in the morning, uh, getting involved in Minneapolis, threatening to send in the National Guard. Trump added these thugs in capital letters, 
are dishonoring the memory of George Floyd, and I won't let that happen. Adding, quote, any difficulty, and we will assume control, but when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Okay, so ugh, two things I need to say about that tweet. Thugs in capital letters. You'll recall a couple of weeks ago we had protests against stay-at-home orders that were in part or mostly encouraged by Trump with his liberate and encouraging. There was a one protest in particular in Michigan where protesters showed up in uh, with semi-automatic guns, Confederate flags, swastikas, got in the face of cops without masks on, uh, tried to break into Michigan State's capital. There was a lot of tension around that, and Trump called them very good people. Guess what? They were all white. Now Trump is calling protesters thugs in capital letters. He also says when the looting starts, the shooting starts. We're going to be talking about that shortly, but that is part of voking language uh, that was used by segregationalists. So let's continue. Um, later, Twitter called a, a what it called a public interest notice to Trump's tweets, uh, the tweets about thugs, which it warned, quote, violated the Twitter rules about glorifying violence. It required users, in order to see that tweet about thugs and when the looting starts, the shooting starts, you would have to click on, they didn't delete the tweet, but you'd have to click on their warning to see the tweet. Twitter said it had hidden Trump's tweet, quote, based on the historical context of the line, its connection to violence, and the risk it would inspire similar action today. The move was approved by Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey. The official White House Twitter account also tweeted Trump's tweet and said it, quote, did not glorify violence. He clearly condemned it, saying Jack and Twitter are biased, bad faith fact checkers, and made it clear Twitter is a publisher, not a platform. The quote, when the looting starts, the shooting starts, was first used in 1967 by Miami Police Chief Walter Headley during hearings about crime in the city, provoking anger from civil rights leaders. On Friday, state police officers arrested, so this is all happening late after midnight. On Friday morning, state police officers arrested CNN reporter Omar Jimenez, Jimenez who is black and Latino, and his crew shortly after 5 a.m. Central Standard Time. He could be seen holding up his CNN badge and saying his crew would move. The camera was still rolling during the arrest. Jimenez's colleague, Josh Campbell, who is white, was also there, said he was treated, quote, much differently, and, quote, they're asking politely to move here and there. Shortly after, Minnesota Governor Walls apologized, telling reporters, quote, we have to ensure that there's a safe spot for journalism, adding there was, quote, absolutely no reason for the arrests and that he took full responsibility. When told about Trump's tweet, Mayor Frey said, quote, weakness is refusing to take responsibility for your actions, adding, quote, weakness is pointing your finger at somebody else during a time of crisis. On Friday, Derek Chokin, the Minneapolis police officer shown in the video putting his knee on Floyd's neck, was arrested and charged with third-degree murder and manslaughter. In the nine-minute video, in the last two minutes and 53 seconds, Floyd is passed out. According to the complaint, Chauvin should have known, quote, that this type of restraint with a subject in a prone position is inherently dangerous. 
On Friday, Trump tried to clean up his incendiary tweet saying, quote, looting leads to shooting. And that's why a man was shot and killed in Minneapolis. Look at what just happened in Louisville with seven people shot. Trump added, quote, I don't want this to happen. And that's what this expression put out last night means. And quote, nobody should have any problem with this other than the haters and those looking to cause trouble on social media. On Friday, the White House announced at 2 p.m. a press conference in the Rose Garden. Trump was flanked by six white men in the regime, including Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. Trump announced the U.S. would terminate its relationship with the WHO, signing, quote, they have failed to make the requested and greatly needed reform. He added, the world needs answers from China on the virus. I also just want to add these six white men with Trump, none of them, including Trump, wearing a mask. Trump also attacked China, saying, quote, they ripped off the United States like no one has ever done before, adding Beijing has, quote, raided our factories and, quote, gutted American industry. Trump also blasted China for imposing a national security law in Hong Kong, calling it a, quote, plain violation of its treaty with the U.K., adding the regime would, quote, begin the process of eliminating policy exemptions for Hong Kong. Trump, however, at his Rose Garden news conference, did not address the killing of George Floyd, the riots, or the more than, at this point, 102,000 Americans dead from the coronavirus as cases and deaths started to surge again. He left abruptly without taking questions. He later spoke to reporters and said, quote, the, loot, the looters should not be allowed to drown out the voices of so many peaceful protesters. They hurt so badly what is happening and it's bad for the state and for the great city. Trump said he had spoken to Floyd's family, saying, quote, they were grieving. He condemned Chauvin, who said, quote, it certainly looks like there was no excuse for it, calling it a, quote, terrible insult to police and to policemen. Trump also claimed he did not know about the origin of looting and shooting and the quote, saying he just heard it before, and added, quote, certainly there were a lot of different people and there were good people too. On Friday, the CDC announced community transmission of COVID-19 began in late January or early February, weeks earlier than the February 26th case previously thought to be the first case. The first community spread is believed to be related to a Washington state patient who traveled to Wuhan, China and developed symptoms on January 19th. Cluster likely spread in Seattle area from there. On Friday, Bloomberg reported on the spread on coronavirus at farms. At one farm in Tennessee, all of the 200 employees were infected. There are also high rates in agricultural spots on the West Coast. The spread at farms heightened the risk to the country's food supply heading into the summer, the peak of the produce season. Cases were also expected to keep climbing as seasonal workers packed buses to work. On Friday, Florida reported 1,212 new cases of the coronavirus, the highest number since reopening, and 49 deaths. Several states have been seeing a rising number of new cases two to three weeks into reopening. On Friday, the Washington Post reported, according to a spokesperson for North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper, who is a Democrat, Trump called him and insisted on a full Republican convention this summer with no face masks or social distancing. Cooper, quote, expressed concerns and suggested a scaled-back event with fewer attendees. The conversation happened after state health officials told the RNC they must provide a detailed plan about safety.
on Friday, Politico reported German Chancellor Angela Merkel rebuffed Trump's invitation to the G7 summit scheduled in late June in Washington, citing the, quote, overall pandemic situation. Trump was eager to host the summit as part of a show of a return to normalcy. In a heated call this week, the two leaders disagreed on several topics, including NATO, a gas pipeline between Russia and Germany, and China. On Friday, Business Insider reported Trump was, quote, furious over Merkel's refusal. He has tweeted about he had tweeted about a summit last week, citing the beginning of a, quote, comeback. It would be a great sign to all normalization. Uh, just of note, as we closed out the week, the U.S. was close to 1.8 million cases and Germany at 183,000. Germany also had about one eighth of, excuse me, one twelfth of the number of deaths of the U.S. So if you wonder who's listening to science and who's just trying to bluster their way through, there you have it. On Friday, newly declassified transcripts, and this is an important story that got lost in the in the chaos. You know, Trump's been talking about Obamagate now for weeks to distract from Americans dying, suffering, and losing their jobs and starving. On Friday, newly declassified transcripts of calls between Michael Flynn and former Russia ambassador Sergei Kislyak in late 2016 were released by the Trump regime to lawmakers who then made them public. Kislyak's conversations were monitored by U.S. intelligence as part of intelligence gathering as Obama imposed sanctions over Russia. Flynn has argued he was unfairly targeted by the FBI, but through these transcripts, we learned the reason the FBI heard those conversations is they were monitoring Kislyak, not Flynn. That's why Flynn's name was never masked. They were watching the Russian ambassador to see what Russia would do as Obama imposed sanctions over interfering in our 2016 election. This now blows up all of Obamagate, blows up Lindsey Graham's little charade and Ron Johnson and Grassley and all of them. The transcripts revealed that, in fact, Flynn did discuss sanctions with Kislyak. Flynn had denied doing that. You're not allowed to do that if you remember in the very early weeks of the list, in my book when this story first came out, Obama was still in office. You're not allowed to negotiate U.S. policy when you're not in office. And that was happening. Remember, Flynn said he was just having a holiday call with him. No, he was discussing sanctions. The transcripts show they discussed sanctions while Obama was in office. Flynn said, quote, I know you have some sort of, I know you will want to have some sort of action and retaliation for Obama imposing sanctions, but we do not want a tit for tat. Kislyak said sentiments are raging now. The transcripts made clear that Russia's decision not to retaliate was influenced by Kislyak's conversation with Flynn. On December 31st, Kislyak said their conversation two days earlier had been, quote, taken into account. Nor in the transcript does Flynn admonish Russia for interfering in the 2016 election or that the incoming Trump regime expected Moscow to pay any price for doing so. Health Intelligence Committee Chair Adam Schiff said, quote, these transcripts clearly demonstrate that Lieutenant General Michael Flynn lied to the FBI and the vice president when he denied discussing sanctions. On Friday, the Justice Department released the seventh installment of FBI memos from the Mueller probe to CNN and BuzzFeed under Freedom of Information Act. BuzzFeed noted, quote, the majority of documents released so far under the court order have been heavily redacted. 
leaving vast swaths of information about the case obscured. They've asked the court to intervene. There are some things about this. Uh, again, most of all seven installments have been so heavily redacted that it's hard to make much sense or garner much out of them. You can find in the weekly list a few bullets about what, what was relevant from this latest installment. Later Friday, Louisville police shot a reporter covering the protests with a pepper ball during a live pro protest. Caitlin Rust, a reporter for CBS affiliate, can be heard saying, I'm getting shot. Later Friday in Washington, D.C., Fox News correspondent Leland Vedert and his crew were harassed, punched, and chased out of Lafayette Park by protesters. On Friday, evening riots took place in cities across the country, including Atlanta, Brooklyn, Los Angeles, Portland, Oakland, Chicago, San Jose, Detroit, Denver, and many more. Many had arrests, shooting, and clashes with police. On Friday, several hundred protesters gathered outside the White House. Protesters persistently squared off with police until after 3 a.m., throwing water bottles in a tents display that lasted more than 10 hours. At 3.30 a.m., police issued two warnings, then a line of officers with shields advanced on the crowd, which was chanting, Black Lives Matter. U.S. Park Police, Secret Service, and D.C. Police all pushed the crowds to disperse. Later Friday, Governor Walls told reporters he was aware of unconformed reports that white supremacists are taking advantage of the chaos unfolding in Minneapolis, including joining some of the looting. Later Friday, in a late evening ruling, the Supreme Court denied a San Diego church's request for relief from Governor, California Governor Gavin Newsom's directive limiting churches to 25% of their normal capacity. Chief Justice John Roberts joined liberal judges in a 5-4 vote, writing in the three-page opinion, quote, broad limits are not exceeded. They should be subject to second-guessing by an unelected federal judiciary. That happened after midnight. So this was like a night, Thursday night, a lot of us were up watching dis, the third uh, precinct in Minneapolis burn. We're up Friday watching basically protests all over the country, things burning down, police getting into altercations with protesters, uh, you know, and all of this is happening. And then the Supreme Court ruling with, fortunately, Roberts citing um with liberals on, on, on the ability to keep, stay, not even to close down places of worship, but to have them be 25% filled. And then here we are Friday night, all of this news is coming out. And then after 1am, and yes, I was up watching this, worried about our country burning down. Shortly uh, after midnight, the Pentagon announced it was ready to send troops to Minneapolis to help contain the riots. Governor Walls has not requested federal help. The chief Pentagon spokesperson said several military units were placed on high alert, quote, as a prudent planning measure if needed. Officials said they are mainly military police and would be ready on four hours notice. Defense Secretary Mark Esper and General Mark Milley, chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, both spoke to Walls in the past 24 hours. The Pentagon said it would not deploy federal forces unless Walls asked for help. Trump urged Walls and other authorities in Minnesota to, quote, be tough, saying, quote, we have our military ready, willing and able if they ever want to call our military and we can have troops on the ground very quickly. 
Walls also imposed an 8 p.m. curfew for Saturday night from Minneapolis and St. Paul after what he described as a, quote, wanton destruction. Several other cities, including Cincinnati, Portland, and Denver, imposed curfews. On Saturday, Governor Walls told reporters he was, quote, fully mobilizing the state's National Guard to control the unrest, saying the, quote, situation in Minneapolis is no longer in any way about the murder of George Floyd. On Saturday, in a series of tweets, Trump fanned discord, saying, quote, great job by the Secret Service, quote, they were not only totally professional, but very cool. I was inside, watched every move, and couldn't have felt more safe. Trump added, quote, they let the protesters, in quotes around protesters, scream and rant as much as they wanted. Putting, again, protesters in quotes, he said, quote, big crowds professionally organized, but nobody came close to breaching the fence. Trump also again evoked the civil rights movement and segregationalists when he said where dogs attacked protesters, saying, quote, in a tweet, if they would have been, if they would have, they would have been greeted with the most vicious dogs and most ominous weapons I have ever seen. Trump also attacked the mayor of D.C., who is a black woman, tweeting, quote, on the bad side, the D.C. mayor, Muriel Browser, who is always looking for money and help, wouldn't let the D.C. police get involved. Not their job. Bowser responded, tweeting, quote, I call upon our city and our nation to exercise great restraint, even while this president continues to try to divide us. Our power is in peace, in our voices, and ultimately at the ballot box. Trump also falsely claimed, tweeting, quote, these are, quote, organized groups that have nothing to do with George Floyd, sad, and tweeting, quote, it's Antifa and the radical left. Don't lay the blame on others. Trump also encouraged his supporters, tweeting, quote, the professionally managed so-called protesters, again in quotes, were just there to cause trouble, adding, quote, tonight, I understand, is in capital letters, MAGA-Night at the White House. Just because we're not going to cover that this week, not a single MAGA person showed up for his MAGA-Night at the White House. And of course, these are not fake protesters, in quotes. These are real Americans who are concerned about systemic racism in our country. And they are out fighting that and being seen and being heard. We're not going to be gaslit by this guy. Trump also again attacked Minneapolis Mayor Fry, tweeting, quote, he will never be mistaken for the late great General Douglas MacArthur or great fighter General George Patton, adding, quote, get tough and fight, strength. On Saturday, Politico reported mayors across the country criticized Trump's leadership and rhetoric, accusing him of deepening America's divide as protests spread to two dozen cities. Shortly after, asked by reporters if his tweets would stoke more racial violence, Trump said, quote, no, no, not at all, adding, quote, MAGA says make American great again. These are people that love our country. Asked about his call for a, quote, MAGA night at the White House, Trump said, quote, I have no idea if they're going to be here. I was just asking. Asked if he was encouraging. He said, I didn't care. Trump added, quote, MAGA is made American great again, adding, by the way, they love African-Americans. They love black people. MAGA loves the black people. Trump continued, quote, I heard that MAGA wanted to be at the White House to protest. I have no idea if that's true, but they love our country. Remember MAGA, it's just an expression, but MAGA loves our country. 
So ugh, continuing on with this blah, 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 and nobody showed up. On Saturday, at a brief public address, Attorney General William Barr said the criminal justice system at both the state and federal levels will continue to investigate and pursue justice in Floyd's death. He claimed, quote, in many of our cities around the country, the voices of peaceful protests are being hijacked by violent radical elements. Again, this is not true. This is now the Attorney General of the United States saying this. Saying, quote, groups of outside radicals and agitators are exploiting the situation. Without offering evidence, Barr claimed violence is, quote, driven by anarchic and far-left extremist, extremist groups like Antifa-like tactics, many of whom travel from outside the state to promote violence. Barr warned, quote, it is a federal crime to cross state lines or use interstate facilities to incite or participate in violent rioting. Again, this is all hyperbolic, not true without evidence. The only evidence that we had seen was from the Governor Walls, who said that that state had become aware that white supremacists had been involved in some of the looting and other actions, some of whom were coming from out of state. Shortly after Barr made his announcement, Trump tweeted, quote, crossing state lines to incite violence is a federal crime, threatening, quote, liberal governors and mayors must get much tougher or the federal government will step in. So that's how we're closing out the week. As we're going to start the next week, Trump's going to continue his bluster, but then we're going to see how that works out. <coughs> An exhausting week for all of us. We are in the crux of it now. Everyone, please, if you are going to protest, please wear a mask and social distance best you can. Please stay safe. Please take care of one another. We are at the worst of it now and do whatever you can to preserve yourself to be alive and well and get everybody to the polls in November 3rd. That is all I can say. Signing off.